Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Slab Stock's Dinging Corners podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we're going to talk about the tippy top, the upper crust, if you will, the A-listers, the creme de la creme, if that's how you say it, of prospects here today. Uh, we talk about them a lot, so fair warning, you've probably heard me talk about these three guys a ton, and we're only covering three. I know there's a lot of prospects to cover, but I figured if I've got to cover every week, I better dumb it down into a, every week during the off season. I better dumb it down into a, a few prospects every single time. So we are talking about the tip top of the prospect mountain. And we're talking Wander Franco, Marco Luciano, and Julio Rodriguez. Three spectacular, spectacular players. Three spectacular international signees. And uh, three guys that you should be very, very, very excited about investing in this offseason. Not next offseason, not next season, this offseason, if you can, if you've got the money. They're obviously not cheap. People already know they're the tip top of the iceberg, but I think they're going to go up, at least in Luciano and Rodriguez's case. Juan DeFranco, already pretty stinking expensive, but if he plays like he can... And he only played in high A last year that uh, we've got some room to grow. So let's jump in here a little bit and let's talk about Wander Franco first. Oh, Wander Franco was a guy that a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people like to complain about last year. Um, some people didn't think he was worth the money. Some people, uh, not worth the, worth the money investment wise, not worth the raise investment on him. Some people thought that he was overrated, and I'm here to tell you that Wander Franco, not overrated. I've probably talked about this before, but I wanted it all in podcast form so you could go back, you could listen to it. Wander Franco, for those of you that didn't know, came into the year as the number one ranked prospect, exited the year as the number one ranked prospect. He is still 18 years old. As of today, he is 18 years, 325 days old. He played in A and high A ball last year. In high A, he hit 339, 408, 464. How anybody can complain about a kid who was 18 years old, who was four and a half years younger than his the average competition in his league, and playing in the Florida State League, one of the most difficult places to hit for power, and people complained because he only had three home runs. It's outrageous. He hit 339 average. Amazing. Amazing out of an 18-year-old. 408 on base. Amazing. Anytime you get over a 400 on base, you're really good. But almost 70 points higher than his average. Really nice to see. And a 464 slugging is spectacular. <coughs> uh, love to see it. You know, he had 11 doubles, 2 triples, 3 home runs in high A in 52 games. Which is, you know, decent. A decent amount of uh, extra base hits. He had a only a 125 ISO, which is below average, um, but he had a 157 WRC plus. Uh, for those of you that don't know, WRC plus is weighted runs created, and it takes ballparks and era of baseball into uh, content, puts it into context, and then averages it out. 100 is league average. Anything above that is, you know, if you're 101, you're 1% better than league average. 
Wander Franco, four and a half years younger than the next closest or than the average age of competition he was playing against, was 57% better than league average. He had a 157 WRC plus. A spectacular year. A spectacular year also considering that he is for sure going to be a shortstop in the future. He's got the power, he's got the arm to take care of the position. His fielding might be a little bit uh, average, but his arm can make up for it. Um, I'm just going to run through his fan, fan graphs uh, prospect tools here really quick for those of you that are new to this. He's got a 65 future hit, which is on a 20 to 80 scale, 50 is average, 80 is tip top of the line. You never see 80s on any of this stuff except for like speed and maybe arm and power. They'll never give an 80 grade hit. A 65 is extremely good. They've got him with a 55 game power, 65 raw power, 60 speed, 50 field, 60 throw, and a 70 future value. 70 future value is what they gave like Vlad Guerrero Jr. So you've got an incredible hit tool, an incredible eye, developing power, people complaining about the power. He's 18 years old playing in a, a very tough league to hit home runs in. What happens when he makes it to the majors or AAA with those MLB baseballs? You're going to be looking at this kid hitting 30 home runs probably pretty easily. So that's quite exciting. Uh, as for prices, i got a couple here for you. On January 17th, which was three days ago, his BGS 9.5 went for $921. To put that in perspective, on October 28th, his BGS 9.5 went for $510. So people aren't sleeping. They were sleeping two months ago. They're not sleeping anymore. That's a $410 increase uh, from in two months, three months almost, three months, I guess. Uh, so, you know, the prices right now are probably not super investable for most of us. you got to be pretty stinking rich to be able to pull this off. But I do think it should keep going up. He hasn't even cracked double A. What's going to happen if he hits in double A or hits in triple A? Prices are going to skyrocket. Um, for comparison, on the 16th, which was four days ago, his PSA 9 went for $589.00. On October 31st, his PSA 10 went for 798 So PSA 10 should be significantly higher than a BGS 9.5. And you're looking at a PSA 10 in October that went for $123 less than a 9.5, just went for three days ago. So Wander, his prices are, his prices dipped. I didn't think they should have dipped. People should have been buying two months ago, but now they've gone back up. So that's why at the start of the podcast, when I was like, two of them I feel like are a buy, one of them I'm not so sure, that would be Wander Franco. His prices have gone back up and are extremely high already. But if you've got the guts and you've got the ability to pay for it, it might be worth getting a Wander or two because this guy looks like the real deal. I mean, he hit 339, 408, 464 in one of the toughest leagues to hit in, in all of the minor leagues, and he was 18. That just doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And yet he did it. So, Wander Franco, tip top of the iceberg, really expensive, really amazing. Cannot wait to see him play in A. Can't wait to see what his prices do. And I really can't wait to see him in the majors 
as a shortstop for the Rays, who are always good for years to come. One thing I should point out is that it is the Rays. The Rays do detract from his value if he was a Dodger or if he was a, I don't know, Yankee, an Astro, a Red Sox, somebody like that. His prices would be astronomical right now, so they're pretty cheap. He could be the type of guy that you pay for. He goes up a little bit, and then six years or five years probably or four years really, the Rays can't afford him. They trade him away to a major team, and his prices boom. So this is definitely both short-range and long-range investment planning here with Wander Franco. Number two on our list is Marco Luciano, Giants shortstop prospect. And if it wasn't for Wander Franco, Marco Luciano would be my favorite prospect in baseball, my most exciting anyways. Luciano was 17 last year playing in a a minus ball, so not great. A ball, not A plus. A step above rookie, but a step below like Midwest League A ball teams. And uh, he didn't, you know, he made it to that level. He played most of the year in rookie ball. He made it to that level. He did pretty poorly. He only hit 212, 316, 333 in a nine game sample. Not spectacular numbers, but you can throw him out. 17 years old and there. 17 and there is more important than what he put up. The fact that the Giants were comfortable enough to push him to that level as a 17-year-old, you don't see that happen, ever. Yet they did it with him. Uh, So that is a good, good sign for things to come. A second good sign of things to come is that while he did poorly, his walk rates in rookie ball was 15.2%. His walk rate in the nine games in low A was 13.2%. So he's still walking a ton, even if he wasn't hitting. And he's got unbelievable power. Fangraphs gives him a 60 hit, 70 game power, 70 raw power. Normally, raw power and game power do not match up. You'll see a guy with 65 raw power and 55 game power because they're bat. Uh, Their hit tool does not match up. Their swing path, how quick they are, you know, if they hit the ball to all fields or if they are a pull hitter. All those things work into how much raw power a player can tap into in-game. The fact that they have game power and raw power equal is incredible, especially for a kid that just turned 18. He's 18 years old in four months. So exciting things to come from Luciano. Uh, I saw, I read a write-up on him. Let me pull it up for you guys here real quick. This is what Fangraphs had to say about Marco Luciano. They said, the Giants' dusty, tightly confined backfields abut a gym with the sort of athleisure-wearing clientele you'd expect in Scottsdale. Last January, when most baseball facilities across the country were dark, just feet away from the oblivious Peloton riders and tennis-playing retirees, a lucky few scouts and media folks had a religious experience watching the sweetest swinging teenager on earth, absolutely roast balls fed to his barrel by a high-speed pitching machine. Because of how close you can sit next to the field there, you can feel the sonic force of the bat-to-ball impact radiate to your body. When Marco Luciano connects, you feel it to your core. He is not normal. To find bat speed comps, you need to look toward Javier Baez, Eric Davis, or whatever the top of your mental catalog might be. And while he generates already plenty of it, Luciano's square shoulder frame indicates more power might be coming. That was very uh a ton of imagery there, obviously, but 
you don't see that written about 18-year-olds every day. Comparing his power and his hand-eye coordination and speed to guys like Javier Baez. <coughs> so, uh, pretty, pretty stinking exciting from him. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, the least exciting part, a 60 hit and a 70 power is insane. He's given a 50 speed, and they expect it to go out, drop down to 45 when he, uh, 45 speed when he matures. He's 6'2", 178 pounds right now. What happens when he gets to 6'2", 205, right? And they give him a 45 future fielding and a 55 throw. That's probably not good enough to play shortstop. So you're looking at, and he might be a little bit too big to play second. You know, you don't see many 6'2", second baseman out there. DJ LeMahieu. Uh, is one guy that's pretty big that plays second, but probably going to move to a left field or a right field. Um, we'll see about that. Maybe he can stick at shortstop for the time being. He'll probably stick at shortstop through the minors, and that's the part that I'm concerned about. I'm never one to say, hey, hold all the way through the majors. You know, obviously you don't end up with Mike Trout's of the world, but you do make a lot of money by selling before he hits the majors in case he is a bust. Uh, so Marco Luciano, incredible power, incredible hit tour, tool, 17 years old last year, 18 now, should be ready to go for a ball. And based on his position and his tools and his age, when Wander Franco gets called up, I would not be shocked to see Luciano be the number one prospect in baseball. And I would not be shocked to see Luciano be a top uh, 10 prospect by midseason this year. Um, as for prices, we've got on the 12th of January, a PSA 9 went for $152, and that's shipped. And on October 30th, a PSA 9 went for $150 shipped. So... Prices really haven't moved on the PSA 9s. Uh, a base went for $188 on the 8th. You know, usually PSA 9 and base are kind of close, so either, and this, these were the last sales I could find. There hasn't been a ton of Luciano. Either somebody paid for it because they wanted it, or, yeah, probably somebody paid for it because they wanted it. That's most likely the outcome here because so few Lucianos show up you kind of just got to pay what you're willing to pay to get it, or else you're going to lose it. Uh, BGS 9.5 went for $240 on the 6th, and a BGS 9.5 went for $208 on October 28th. So there's a slight movement there, a $32 increase on BGS 9.5s um, from October till now. But overall, the price movement hasn't moved a ton, which is really nice for you guys if you're looking to invest in Luciano because... Honestly, I cannot say this enough. There's not many guys that you look at and say, you know what, he can be the number one overall prospect. You're not looking at Ronnie Maruccio and saying he's going to be number one. You're not looking at Jordan Groshans and saying he's going to be number one. You're not even looking at like one of my favorite prospects and the guy we're covering next, Julio Rodriguez, and saying he's going to be number one because it has to be a combination of tools and position. Unless you're like Vlad Guerrero, who is one of the best minor league hitters we've ever seen, and it didn't matter that he was playing third base. But usually it's going to be, you know, that middle of the infield guy, the catcher, somebody like that that plays a premium defensive position 
and Luciano has that. So his prices, 150 bucks for a PSA 9, I'd pay that all day long. I mean, if he becomes the number one prospect, look at Wander Franco. Look at Wander Franco in Tampa Bay, right? You've got a PSA 9 on the 16th for $589, and that is in Tampa Bay, Florida, where nobody cares about baseball. Not a single person. My brother lives in Florida. I've been to Florida many times. Nobody talks about baseball. Nobody cares about baseball. Nobody talks about basketball. Nobody cares about basketball. They care about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's it. So, he's getting no love from the people at home. And, you know, he's a small, he's the number one prospect, but he's in a small market. So people aren't willing to partly pay a ton. If he was a Dodger, it'd be another issue. Well, now you're looking at Marco Luciano. Has all the skills in the world to be the number one prospect. But instead of being in Tampa Bay, he's in San Francisco, one of the largest cities in North America. So $150 for a PSA 9 today, $589 for a PSA 9 of Wander Franco. If Luciano gets that number one prospect, I'm expecting him to go more for more than $589. Let's just put it that way. And then number three on our list today is, obviously I said it earlier, and that's Julio Arrigas. J-Rod, as we call him, he is, I've said it multiple times, his stats, if you just scout his statistical profile, and that's it, uh, he reminds you of Juan Soto. Uh, he has a little bit worse eye at the plate, but better defensive skills. Seems like he has more pop than Wander Franco did at this level, at this age. Uh, he's absolutely incredible, and he is yet another... He's the oldest one on our list. So Wander was 18. Marco Luciano was 17 last year. Julio Rodriguez just turned 19. He's 19 years old in 22 days. But Julio, Fangraphs last year, they haven't updated yet. So we're going off old numbers, but this was end of the season. I'm sure they're going to update it or upgrade him when they get to the new numbers. He had a 55 hit, 60 game power, 65 raw power, 40 speed, 50 field, 60 throw. Prototypical right fielder. But here's the thing. <coughs> as an 18-year-old, he walked 7% of the time in high A as an 18-year-old, which was, let me pull up the number here, he was 4.5 years younger than the next closest in his league. In 17 games, he had six doubles, three triples, two home runs. He had 462, 514 on base, 738 slugging. A 462 average, a 514 on base, and a 738 slugging in 17 games at high A when he was four and a half years younger than the, re than the league average age. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And... I mean, he ran a, a decent walk rate and decently low strikeout rates, both both steps of the way, both in A-ball and high A. Uh, A-ball was a little worse. He had 293, 359, 490, but he was still 45% better than league average. In his 17 games in high A, he was 143% better than league average. So we love Julio Rodriguez, and you know who else does? Baseball America. I can't confirm this because I don't have a Baseball America account and I don't want to pay for it. 
but apparently they gave him on the 20 to 80 scale a 70 future value, which would be the same as Wander Franco, who was given a 70 future value by uh, uh, Fangraphs here. So Baseball America is looking at Julio Rodriguez the same way Fangraphs is looking at Wander Franco. Now, say what you will about Baseball America. They're generally pretty good, but sometimes they get a little, you know, they use like Tom Hardjacourt, the Brewers beat writer, to help them write the Brewers team lists. I don't know how much Tom Hardjacourt knows, but if they're thinking Julio Rodriguez is this good, then I'm going to take it. I'm going to run it with it. 70 future value is not easy to give out. They don't just give it out like candy. Pretty incredible here. And uh, his stats last year back it up. He's going to be a top 10 player. Uh, a couple months ago on prices here is, yeah, in November. On November 12th, his base auto from Bowman Chrome went for $226. And that shipped. 226 when we started talking about them last year, they are $120. So they're up 100 bucks. but I kept telling people, buy this guy, buy this guy, buy this guy, because I think he's going to be a $400 auto. Well, now on the 2nd of January, his base auto went for $301. <coughs> Obviously, $300 to $400, you're making 100 bucks, but it's only, you know, it's not double. 220 to 400 you're almost doubling your money. You're not doubling your money, 300 to 400 But I still love it. Still feels very safe. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is an absolute animal. And then for comparison's sake, his BGS 9.5 on the 5th went for $468. A BGS 9.5 on November 19th went for $400. So that's about 68 bucks, but it's probably actually a better deal uh, going for BGS 9.5s or PSA 10s uh, than the base. So... 300 bucks, $470 for a BGS 9.5. I don't know what PSA 10s go for. They couldn't find any of those. Seems like a great deal for a guy like Julio Rodriguez. There's only so much I can say about him. You know, his eyes, his eyes good. He should be a decent defender in right field. And his power and his hit tool are just spectacular. Um, I love him. Fangraphs gives him a 55 hit. I think that's probably a little low. I'm excited to see what happens with him. I would not be shocked if he turns in the first couple of years, turns into like Juan Soto type performances. And you've seen how Juan Soto prices have gone. Uh, his base went up to like 500. They were at 300 middle of the season, which is outrageous. They were up to five, like 50 mid season when uh, he won the championship for the uh, Nationals. So, Julio Rodriguez, hopefully he doesn't go the same course. Obviously, Soto was on course to go up each level, and then all of a sudden injuries happened when he was in A, and they just took him straight to the majors. Hopefully, Julio Rodriguez will stay in the minors and let that value build, 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 build up to a 400 to $450, $500 base auto before getting called up. So the same thing that happened to Juan Soto where he was 300 some and then basically stayed at that price even though he's doing really well. Doesn't happen. So there is my creme de la creme, if I'm saying that right, of uh, minor league players right now. 
Wander Franco, Marco Luciano, Julio Rodriguez. I know I'm not alone. Everyone loves these guys. But uh, I just wanted to get it out there for you guys to know that they're still valuable players. You know, there's still value in there for them. I know sometimes you look at the high prices and you say, ooh, I can't invest in that. Like, uh, me personally, I always end up saying like, oh, I invest $135 into Juan Soto. I can't now invest $200 into Juan Soto because I could have gotten it for $135. So if you're saying to yourself, oh, I could have got Julio Rodriguez for $120 and now he's $300, I can't do that. Just don't think about it. Put the money in. I'm sure you will be very happy come midseason. Anyways, that is uh, all I have for you today on Dinging Corners. Uh, we will be back again next week. I will try to, maybe I'll come up with three other prospects, maybe like your Luis Roberts, uh, Jared Glenix, guys like that, to cover for our prospect analysis going forward. There isn't a bunch of baseball news going on right now uh, outside of, obviously, the Astros and Carlos Correa and Carlos Beltran, or Carlos Correa, Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, uh, we all saw that stuff happen last week. It'll be interesting to see if any players get suspended or anything. It'll be interesting to see if any players get blacklisted the way or even booed like the way like guys like Ryan Braun or you know people like that get happen to. So we'll see what happens from going forward with this whole Astros cheating scandal. It is very interesting. Obviously, it's one of those things where if you're looking at a guy who is cheating and the offense was PEDs or knowing exactly what pitch is coming, one of them would be a much more valuable thing to being a good hitter, and that would be knowing what pitch is coming. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Alex Bregman's stats and Jose Altuve's stats and uh, George Stringer's stats and Carlos Correa's stats because they were all amazing last year. They were all amazing the year before that. And it looked like the best, or was the best lineup in baseball. But now, you're not so sure if they're actually good, or if it was just they knew exactly what pitch is coming. If you know what pitch is coming, you're probably going to be able to do a lot better than you normally would. That's all I'm saying. So maybe Alex Bregman isn't actually an MVP candidate. Maybe George Springer isn't actually like a five-win player. I don't know. We're going to find out next season when they're not allowed to cheat because they're going to be under a microscope all year. So it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden they're bad. And it doesn't. It also doesn't shock me because uh, the Astros for sure were cheating with their pitchers. I can't prove it, but you don't get guys like Wade Miley, like Charlie Morton, like late career Justin Verlander. I mean, Justin Verlander looked like his career was winding down. Garrett Cole looked like a mid-rotation pitcher before showing up to the Astros. Charlie Morton was nothing. You know, Wade Miley had half a good season with the Brewers and then kept that up with the Astros. But all of these guys' rotations per minute on their fastballs increased by like two, three, four hundred rotation RPMs. And you're telling me that they weren't cheating? They weren't using some foreign substance to get that uh, number higher? I don't believe it. So a team like the Astros that was already probably cheating with their pitchers, is now caught cheating with their hitters. Doesn't shock me. Uh, I know we got some Astro fans in there, and I know you're probably not happy with me saying that. And 
the Astros will get over this. It will go away. And people will maybe not forget, but they'll know that the Astros aren't cheating uh, moving forward, which will be nice. All you guys have to do is come back, get back to the playoffs, and see what happens. Uh, I think you can get over this. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to Digging Corners, and I will talk to you again next time.